0: You are listening to a presentation of Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more audio and visual content, go to streamschurch.org. And now, Pastor Lloyd Baker. We've been talking about Jesus' last week on earth and how it was a very calculated week. We believe that every day had a purpose, had a meaning. Uh, every action was precise and calculated. It's called the Passion Week. So the last several weeks have been talking each day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, last week uh, the, we left the followers of Jesus on Saturday, which was the Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day they were not allowed to do any work or do anything at all. All they could do was sit and wait and think and revisit and recount the course of the events on Friday, which was a day of agony, a day with no closure, the day that Jesus died. On Friday, Jesus experienced betrayal, beatings, humiliation, denials, grief, and a brutal crucifixion. On Saturday, his followers experienced anxiety, filled with grief, regrets, and remorse. No one believed during that time that Sunday, the resurrection day, was coming. In fact, if you read the accounts, everyone was surprised and some didn't even believe after the fact. We've all experienced that dark wasteland between the promise given and the promise delivered. The day between the pain of defeat and the thrill of victory is Saturday. The day of agony is Friday. The day of resurrection is Sunday. And that day that you're waiting is Saturday. The day you desperately need and pray for a miracle is an entire day of uncertainty, remorse, Regret, anguish, guilt, shame. And we've all experienced agony on Friday. We've all experienced anxiety on Saturday. But I have great news. Today we're going to talk about Sunday. Um, I want to take you on a three-day journey, Friday to Sunday, as an illustration of how the power of the resurrection can radically impact your life. And the truth is this. If Sunday had never happened... This world would be in a perpetual state of Fridays and Saturdays. Needing a miracle, waiting for a miracle, praying for a miracle, but never receiving the miracle. We underestimate the power of Sunday, the day of resurrection. It's a great, wonderful holiday, but if it wasn't for that day, you wouldn't be sitting here today. And many of you would not have your marriages restored and your life put together. I heard this cute story. There's a little girl in Sunday school. Of course, it wasn't our Sunday school, but it was another Sunday school. And the teacher asked, who knows about Easter Sunday and what it does it mean to us? And the girl was like, I know, I know, I know. Yes, said the teacher, Jesus died for our sins. Very good. He was buried in a tomb. Yes, he was. That's really great. On the third day, the stone was rolled away and he walked outside. She says, excellent. She says, and if he sees a shadow, there'll be six more weeks of winter. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, 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 you got the stories mixed up. (laughs) Sunday is much more. Uh, Let me make it very simple. We are hopeless, flawed beings, meandering through 70 plus years of hell on earth, just trying to survive without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection gives hope. It makes us alive. Every other belief is a philosophical waste of time. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Because if Sunday never happened, all you would live with is Friday and Saturday. All you'd have is agony and anxiety, and it would be a perpetual cycle. Many of us here know the sting of losing someone that we love so dearly. Sometimes it's untimely. We're unprepared for the grieving, the pain that we would experience. I want to take you through a couple of people. First, we want to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. On Friday, she never leaves her son as he slowly dies. She's there when he is mocked. She's there when he is beaten. She's there when he's denied. She's there when he breathed his last breath. When he's taken down from the cross and he's buried into a tomb. Friday was her day of agony, the loss of one she loved with all her heart. On Saturday, the day that they could do nothing... I'm sure she just sat there in silence, experienced a deep grief that her son is dead. As a pastor, I've been in the rooms when loved ones taste that last breath or take that last breath and they transition into eternity. Sadness is always present, but soon within days or weeks, there's a marked difference between those who believe in the resurrection and those who don't, those who understand eternal life and those who don't. On Sunday... Mary had that joy, that first joy, that experienced the promise of eternal life. It was on February 27, 1991, at the height of the desert storm, that Ruth Diller received a very sad message from the Pentagon. It stated that her son, Clayton Carpenter, private first class, had stepped on a mine in Kuwait and was dead. Ruth Dilla later wrote, "...I can't begin to describe my grief and shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I wept. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me to no avail because the loss was so great. But three days after she received that message, the telephone rang. The voice on the other end said, Mom, it's me, I'm alive." And Ruth Dillo said, I couldn't believe it at first, but then I recognized his voice. And he was really alive. The message in the beginning was all a mistake. She said, I laughed. I cried. I felt like turning cartwheels because my son, who I thought was dead, is alive. And I'm sure she said, none of you can even begin to understand how I felt. Second Thessalonians chapter four, 13 through 14 says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. They have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. And if resurrection Sunday does not come, Jesus does not bring with those who have fallen asleep. There is no hope of eternal life, but Sunday brings the joy of resurrection and the hope of eternal life. Mary Magdalene was there on Friday. She is desperate to show her deep appreciation to the one who had delivered her from seven demons. It was, it was an agony of incomplete adoration. Maybe she thought I should have told him I loved him more. Parents often feel that way. Children grow up so fast and life can be so hectic. The relationship can be strained. And uh, now we scramble and we get all over in life to try to make up for time that was lost. We need to take the time when they're young. We need to take every opportunity. It's about relationships. So although he was properly buried, Mary still feels this urge to do one last act of appreciation for all that Jesus has done for her. So on Friday afternoon, she prepares more spices as a tribute to his final burial. Saturday is a day of anxiety, never feeling like she has done enough for the one who has done so much for her. We wait too long, people. We wait too long. Don't you be sit there, sitting there waiting that you would wish you had said more, that you wish you had done more, that you wish you had said, I love you more. Tell them now. And Mary can't wait for Sunday to finish this last act of devotion. And look what happens to her. John chapter 20, verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener, and sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said, She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for my teacher. Don't cling to me, which means she was running, (laughs) to grab a hold of him. Jesus said, For I have yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them with an exclamation point, I have seen the Lord. The resurrection gives us the power of reconciliation. A second chance to make things right. On Friday, Thomas flees with the other disciples. After all, it's is a logical thing to do. And Thomas always does the logical thing. He's very calculating. He's very analytical. He sees the soldiers. He knows that death is in store for anybody that's associated with Jesus. So he runs and he hides. On Saturday, he second-guesses every decision that he's made for the last three and a half years. I could have stopped Judas, and I didn't. I never should have let, left my business to follow after him. I let my emotions get the best of me. What in the world was I thinking? What an idiot I am. It's all over, and now I'm on the run. Saturday is a day of regrets. That one decision or series of decisions that has marked you or me forever. I should have never taken that job. What was I thinking? I should have, I should have mer- never married that person. I was young. I was desperate. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm older now. Why did I marry that person? I should, have, I should have never bought that house. They told me I could afford it. They told me I could make the payments. I should have never done that. And life is full of decisions that alter the course of your life. Some of them you deeply regret. So your answer is this. I'll never trust again. I'm going to be the master of my own fate. I'll only believe what my eyes can see. I'll take the very logical route. And look what happens to this very logical man, Thomas, after Jesus rises from the dead. Again, John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You know who those people are? You. (laughs) Um, Thomas all of a sudden becomes a man of faith. Uh, It's strongly believed that Thomas travels the world putting himself at risk, a very unlogical thing to do, so that he can spread the gospel. Many believe that he took it the farthest and actually got the gospel into India. Uh, There's people there called disciples of Thomas. He believed that Jesus had risen from the dead and it changed his perspective. On Friday, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. Last time cursing to a young girl. The rooster crows at his final betrayal and Jesus turns and looks him in the eye. Scripture says he drops his head and he weeps bitterly. On Saturday, when he can do nothing but sit around, he lives in shame and guilt. He blew it. And he's never going to recover. Jesus had told him, you're going to be the father of the church. You're going to be my rock. And upon you, I'm going to build my church. You have a great destiny. But his one sin destroyed his future. His destiny was ruined by that one moment. And people live under shame and guilt all the time. That one night, that one decision, I lost it, I blew it, I wasn't thinking, I'm going to be forever known as an adulterer. I'm going to be forever known as a loser. I'm never going to be a good spouse. I'll never be a good parent. I'm resigned to failure. I've given up. It's the death of a dream. One mistake took away his future listen to Peter's words years later after he experienced the power of the resurrection. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, a book that he wrote, verse 9. He's saying to the people this, because he believes it about himself, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. And once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. This does not sound like a man with no future. (laughs) This sounds like a man with a pure destiny. No more self-condemnation. I am a royal priest. I am God's own possession. I was in darkness, and now I'm in light. I had no mercy, now I've received mercy. Once I had no destiny... I have it back again. We've all experienced a dark wasteland between the promises given and the promises delivered. Friday night is the worry in the doctor's face about the possibility of that cancer. Saturday is waiting for the results to come back. And Sunday is hearing that your whole body is cancer free. That just happened to somebody in our congregation. Perhaps you're not cancer free, but Sunday is this. It's, it's, it doesn't matter because you're assured that regardless of the outcome, you're going to be made whole again, either in this life or the next year of life to come. Friday night is that wedding ceremony that years later ends in the divorce court. Saturday is the sting of love gone bad. It's the shame or bitterness that can dominate your life. It's a lack of trust. Often turns into hatred. It's wondering if you ever find true love again. And Sunday is coming to a place of wholeness. In a loving Savior who will never leave you nor forsake you. Who loves you regardless, unconditionally. It brings you to a place of completeness and wholeness. So that if love does come knocking on your door again, you're ready to experience what true love is all about. Friday night is a couple who can't have children. Saturday is the testing and all the things they're going to to find out what the problem is and never getting an answer. And Sunday is taking home an unwanted child and loving them as if they were your own, literally saving a child's life. We've had several families in our church that have done exactly that. Friday is a child that's been abandoned by a parent. Saturday is not understanding why. It's wondering what you could have done to make them love you more. What you could have done to make them stay and not leave. I've understood that. Sunday is the promise of Psalm 68.5. A father to the fatherless is our God. Because he puts the lonely into families. It's like in my life, godly men who gathered around me and showed me how to be a man, and walked me how to be a father and a husband in my own life. Friday is making that huge mistake, that one moment that can never be taken back. Saturday is the shame and the guilt and the fear that you're going to be scarred for life, that you're going to be a label that's going to be have attached to your name. And Sunday is the forgiveness that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Who replaces that label to you're my child, my own possession? Who makes that mistake that seems so big, a redeeming story to the testimony of your amazing life? It's just a sentence in the book of your life. Friday is another argument with your spouse that went way too far. And Saturday or the following days wondering if they're going to come back, if they can ever forgive you. Sunday is repentance and forgiveness and restoration, and change. It's the ability to appreciate them as a true gift from God. Friday is an untimely death of a loved one. Saturday is that grief of missing them. And Sunday is knowing without a doubt that you will be reunited with them one day in heaven. Friday is an addiction that you just can't break. Saturday is counseling and prayer and a final realization that's totally out of your hands. And Sunday is total surrender to God who can break the chains of every addiction. It's a testimony that whom the sun sets free is really, really free indeed. Friday is the death of that dream, the loss of a job, the surrender of your home to the bank. And Saturday is that agony of defeat, the fear of not being able to survive, not being able to provide for your family. And Sunday is God's people rallying around you in a church like this to carry you through that time. It's a realization that a house does not make a home. It's finding out that chasing the American dream will only lead you to a nightmare. It's making relationships a priority in your life. Friday is faith that's been wrecked by the hypocrisy of abusive spiritual leaders. And Saturday are the years of soul wounds that, that run deep. It's saying, I'll never go back into a church again. I'll never trust a leader again. It's throwing out the perfect love of God with the selfishness of a flawed man. And Sunday is realizing that God is as aggrieved as you are about the situation, that His heart is broken also. It's finding a place of safety, a place of transparency that acts like a family not an institution. Where who you are is way more important than what you do. See, if Sunday never comes, you're going to be perpetually stuck in Saturday. And you'll live it over and over again. And the scripture is very clear. In order to get out of Saturday, you got to believe in Sunday. Romans 10, 9 through 11 tells us the pathway to salvation. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God and with his mouth he tells others of his face, confirming his salvation. For the scriptures tell us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. And some of you are stuck in Saturday because you don't believe in Sunday. You don't believe that your situation can rise from the dead. And I'm here to tell you today that Sunday turns it all around. Sunday lifts you out of the grave. Sunday sets you free from bondage. Sunday radically changes your life because He has risen. You can rise. Do you believe that this morning? Because we'd be stuck in Saturday without Sunday. <laughs> let's stand and let's thank you for Sunday, shall we? And I want to pray for some of you that just feels like you're in this endless cycle. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you died for us on Friday to pay for all our sins. But it was a day of agony. Father, some of us are stuck in Saturday. We're living with that shame or that guilt or that one moment, that one place that seems to dominate us. But Father, right now, I'm here to proclaim that Sunday has come. And because you have risen, we can rise. So right now, I tell shame and fear and guilt and anger and bitterness and addictions. They no longer have a place in our lives. You have risen from the dead, Jesus. And you're alive today to interact in our lives in a powerful way. So I pray the power of the resurrected Christ upon every soul and every being. And we choose to confess that with our mouth and believe it in our heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to a message from Streams Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Email any questions to StreamsChurch at MSN.com. The mission of Streams Church is very simple. To lead people into their life calling a relationship with Jesus Christ that is challenging, growing, and purposeful. For more information about service times, location, or events, go to streamschurch.org.